Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Welcome, welcome, everybody. So good to see you. Excited for another Everyday Innovator interview. Hey, two things I want to remind everybody of. Number one, great innovation happens at the intersection of random, right? Where you learn new things and pull in new perspectives and find new experiences. What I think is really cool about this podcast and the feedback I get from people listening is we put you at the intersection of random all the time. Our guest today has a very different experience than the one yesterday and the one tomorrow. There's all these diverse people from across the globe that you get to listen to. So I would encourage you to go back, scroll through the interviews and find the ones that you're like, wow, I have nothing in common with this person. That's the one I want you to listen to if you haven't already. Those diverse sets of opinions and perspectives are going to spark incredible ideas and solutions and innovation in you. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to remind you of is go leave us a review on iTunes. Here's the thing. Your reviews equals more listens and downloads, which equals more impact. It's why we do what we do. And iTunes and their special algorithm, which I've yet to figure out, loves reviews. So do us a favor. If you just get one nugget of value out of this podcast, go leave us a review. Speaking of nuggets of value, I know you're going to get a lot out of today. So let me give you a quick innovator intro to our guest, and then I'll have him share who he is with all of you. So Paul, his everyday innovator style is futuristic risk taker. So here's what that means. That futuristic is all about Tomorrowland, forest through the trees, seeing the impact. Futuristics are really good at taking today's problems and turning them into tomorrow's opportunities. Because of that, they really do tend to see kind of longer term than the rest of us and create innovation that often is more lasting because it's more future driven versus what a lot of us try to do to solve yesterday's problems, which are already gone by the time we try to figure out the solution. So that's the futuristic side. The risk taker side is all about leaping and innovating in the uncomfortable. Uh, Sorry, risk takers love to be uncomfortable. That pressure is actually how we, and I say we because I'm one too, how we innovate best. It's not about being careless and just leaping. It's calculated, but that's actually where we play best is in that uncomfortable zone. So that innovation tends to push the boundaries a little bit because risk takers will leap while others tend to hold back. So that magical combination, futurist risk taker, brings together forward and bold innovation to the table. And I know we're going to hear a lot of that today. So Paul, welcome to the show. So excited to interview you. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Thanks, Tamara. Hi, hi, everyone. I'm Paul Voreter. I am currently uh, one of our leading uh, learning leaders at Canvas Credit Union and our innovation coach, unofficial title there. But I have the great privilege to work at Canvas Credit Union here in Colorado. And one of the things I get to do is lead our innovation group, which is a nine-month program where we learn what's on the board behind us, uh, that design thinking process. But then we put it into action for our members. And we're all about our members at Credit Union, if you are familiar with that. But uh, one of the things that our credit unions do is we only have 8% of the banking market. 
which means that we're going up against giants, which means that we have to think better around solutions for our members. And so that's what my team gets to do. We get to watch people walk through innovation. We get to see them grow as leaders. And I just have the best job in the world, period. So that's where I'm at. I mean, I I hope all of your team and bosses are listening to that because don't we all want employees that say that about our jobs? Like it's the best job ever. I want to I want to dig into just one thing that you said though that I think is so important for us to just have a quick conversation about before we keep going um, because oftentimes I find with innovation of any kind it's like we don't have the resources we don't have the time right we don't have the manpower we're up against these giants giants and you just said that like we're we're up against giants right you have eight percent of the market as a credit union how has that position in the market it actually fueled your company and your drive for innovation versus allowed it to hold you back? Well, when, you know, we have to maximize every dollar that we have of our members' money. And as a nonprofit, you know, all of our, our dividends go back to our members, which means that we really have to think differently. We really have to jump into different types of our members and our personas and think about what is the thing we're missing. How can we surprise and delight our members. And that is the the tough part. And one of the things that's what's great is we're all about innovation at Canvas. And we think that way primarily because of our COO, Tansley Stearns. And Tansley comes with that mindset, but I just steward the program. It's actually her innovation lab that that I get to lead. So, you know, when we think about how we how we go up against the Wells Fargo's of the world, it's all about what would our member absolutely love. How do we make it uh, ease of use, uh, something that we live every day? So there's a number of ways we do that, but it's always a struggle. Um, our timeframes and our, our dollar budgets are a fraction of what everyone else has, but uh, we're really passionate about it and have done some great things for, for our members. I love what you just said there, Paul, because I think that um, limited money and limited time make you super innovative. Like I find that the way I manage my schedule even is innovative because I have, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, right? I've got two teenage boys. I've got the business. I've got, you know, a personal life. I've got fill in the blank, right? And it's like, so you have to start getting creative about how you can manage your time, but your money is the same way. And when you have to make every dollar count, you actually become more innovative, I think. Um, Let me ask you a question, kind of get it to, to you in specific. Um, what's a recent win or something that you're proud of? Uh, let me just brag about our innovation group this last year. We had 13 folks going to three different teams. Um, our goal was to have three ideas go to the final and move forward. And that's what we were able to do. And so we talked about that budget thing a little bit. Um, one of our ideas was literally a $5,000 budget that could bring in millions because it connects our members with our local branches even more. And it's a hidden gem. The other one was a big project. It was a big idea, you know, a a fairly large budget item. We were going to create a a mobile branch that we could take over to the Western Western Slope, that we could take to Fort Collins and be at at a CSU's football game as one of our partners. You know, that's a big ticket item. So it went from $5,000 to, you know, up to $100,000 to make sure that our members could access us, could get to know us a little bit better. So we're all over the board. Those are those three wins from the three teams that we had this last year. 
And we just launched our innovation lab for this year. So we've got a group of 18 going through it this year too. So we're looking for those big ideas, small ideas, things that are just tweaks that really make our, our, our Canvas credit union better. So. Sometimes the best innovation is a tiny adjustment, isn't it? I want to ask you two questions, Paul, um, about it. Number one, so this is like a, I just want to make sure I understand, this is a longer term competition, for lack of a better way to say it, where people apply with ideas. Like, will you just break down very quickly how this works? Because I feel like this is something, if I'm out there listening, I go, well, maybe I should do this with my team. Yeah, and and it is one of those things. Um, there's a couple of things in the credit union world. Um, Filene Think Tank is one of our credit union think tanks, um, and the Filene Institute uh, really has brought innovation to the marketplace. And so we kind of modeled what we were doing after their big idea. Their I3 program is a three-year process, and they take um, leaders from all credit unions around the, around the country and put them through the same process. We actually do it in nine months. So for our leaders inside of credit uh, inside of the credit union, it means that they have to apply. I get to interview them. Uh, they get to answer all those questions. And then we pick the best of the best. And that is sometimes, quite frankly, from somebody who started with us a year ago on as a Canvas consultant and talks to our members on a daily basis in the branches. Or it can be something that is a, a, a director of a department. And that is how we've structured our innovation lab. We've got a great mix uh, great diversity throughout the organization, great diversity of people, and we're creating this new family. And what I think is really interesting, and this is the kind of the fun, sweet part that I get to watch, is I get to see folks that don't necessarily work together become family. And we talk a lot about family at Canvas. Uh, we're all delightfully offbeat. We treat each other like family and we just don't say the words. We really do mean it. When someone is hurting, we we gather around. When our our family is going through great things, we celebrate those wins. So when we look at a cross segment for our innovation group, we pick the best. Um, and we also you know, allow them to go through this nine-month program. But you know, the other part too on that is that everyone has the ability to go through something around innovation. So I also do a couple of innovation curious classes throughout the year where it's a one day sprint type of an activity where we share some of the design thinking process. But, you know, innovation sometimes is just that little idea that, hey, if we did it this way, that would be better. So I'm totally on board with that. I, I love it. We're actually just launching on two weeks from this interview, but an innovation, a one week innovation challenge. So it's five days, five minutes a day, right? A wealth of ideas. We're taking them through disruptive questions. Um, because I, I think that that innovation can happen everywhere and you just never know where. So I love what you're saying about that. So here's my second question on that. You've mentioned a few times now, like some were big ideas. And then there were also some small, small in, in the sense of like what it might take to implement um, the money that it might take to fund it. You know, it might be, feel like a small adjustment. I'm curious, Paul, because you've been you've played in the innovation space for a long time now, too, just before this job as well. How do you make sure? that the small innovations that people can often brush off because they almost seem too obvious or too small, how do you make sure that those ideas don't get overlooked? Great, Great. question. It's about the story you tell around them. And I think that's the biggest part that, that we had to tell our story in this little tiny, I'll just share the idea. The idea was to have a postcard 
And we get a lot of new members from a car loan through a dealer network that we're part of and credit unions are part of. And they think we're an online bank. One of the best things that makes Canvas great is our people. And so when you walk into a Canvas branch, it feels different than a bank. It feels different than some other credit unions. And that's because we hire some of the great folks. We ask them, are you delightfully offbeat? And that little idea of that little postcard, we saw that and it's like, yeah, I I understand. It's a postcard. What does that cost us? Not much, 30 cents a postcard. But when we looked at scale, how many of new members came to us and don't know us? That is where that little tiny idea, that 30 cent postcard really changed the game, which means that, hey, what's their second loan? What's their second option? What's their second account for Canvas? How can we serve this member where they get out of a bad credit line off of a credit card and we consolidate that debt with an easier rate? And that little idea of a 30 cent postcard could change a member's financial stability for a year, but it starts with a postcard, which is the crazy (laughs) idea, right? And so that's why we brought that one through to the end is because it was a diamond in the rough. And the more we looked at our numbers, the more we backed up our ideas with data, um, that little tiny postcard that was 30 cents literally could change someone's financial future, but also help our members grow. So you're listening to conversations with everyday innovators on with Tamara Gondor podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code Tamara. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. I love I love stories like that. So thank you for sharing because I think that 
uh, sometimes the best innovation, the one that like actually creates a breakthrough, right? Not just to be innovative, innovative for innovative sake, are when we take something we actually already know and just use it a little bit differently. And, you know, and sometimes the old school things are the best, especially in a digital world. And we overlook those. And so thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I just, you know, I think we make innovations, as you know, I, we make it so hard because it has to be this big disruptive blue skies. Um, and what I love about the stories you're sharing is actually it's the opposite of that. That's often the best innovation to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can, can I share a story we, uh, yeah. we were both involved with? Uh, one of the things when you get into to innovation groups or, or challenges and those types of things, we always think it has to be this. And one of the stories I just want to share is just when we were involved with a board of directors that we were all on, we put on an event every month when you don't really realize what goes into something uh, of an event like that. And it has multiple people involved in it. One of the things I've learned over the years is to, to make it analog and literally go no computers. And so this event that we were putting on, I had this rope and I thought, well, let me talk to every stakeholder in the organization. And I, around our event, we had so many things that each one of us had to do. And there were like 12 of us, right? Like it oh, was a lot of people. It was a lot of people. Yeah. And so I thought, well, what kind of thing? I started out with a string actually. And so I asked every one of those, I interviewed all 12 of those folks, what does it take for us to do our event every month? And so I was writing down stuff, you know, this person had their car color card was blue and this other person was green and this other person was red. And what I realized is that, oh my goodness, we are all working really, really hard, but nobody really can grasp the concept of what it took to put on a great event where our members could come and enjoy themselves and feel like it was super professional and learn and walk out refreshed. And so I started these cards and these interviews and I, I thought, well, hey, maybe I can make this a linear analog version. So I grabbed a string and started to tie these elements in sequential order, different colors at different times. And what happened is I figured out that, well, the string's not long enough. So I went <laughs> and bought a, I bought a 50 foot rope <laughs> and I tied the cards with rubber bands to it. And then I sequentially made it. And what happened is there were some huge events that were on the way and I made those balloons that would rise. And, you know, what happened through that is that we all went, whoa, we do a ton of work for one event for one day to grow our membership in our organization. And everyone thought, wow, look how much she's working and how much she affects everything throughout this event in this timeline. And I think that was our big aha moment. We went, oh my goodness, this was an unsung hero that we didn't know. And we, we kind of treated it differently after that time frame because we all realized we are all working so hard. Um, and it just made it so much more sense because we could remember that and see it. And like you said, uh, I still remember it. I still have the rope with all the things tied on in a bag in the closet because it was so monumental, but it never, it, it, what it made me realize is I never forgot how much work it takes to work inside of a team to produce great results. So, okay. So I'm so glad you shared that story and just audience. So, you know, this is the reason I called Paul. I don't know how many years ago that was now, five, six. I don't even know. Six. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It could be longer. Our time has been so warped that I don't even know, <laughs> but a long time. But that moment stuck in my head because I want you all to imagine that there's 12 of us at a board meeting in someone's living room 
and because we're all in it's, an, it's a, a trade association board. And Paul comes in with this string that's the length of the room, which was not small, and all these different color-coded index cards along the way, some of them closer together, some of them further away. And it really was a map of every month what all of us have to do to put on this event. Because I think we had gotten also really siloed. And there was a little bit of like, I don't know what Paul does over there and who God knows what Tamara is doing on Fridays. Like, I, I think there was a little bit of that happening too. And then we had some people on the team who weren't valued for what they brought to the table. And it was a game changer. I also think it allowed us to see where we could innovate and be a little bit more efficient, a little bit more strategic, have a little bit more collaboration, maybe get out some of those index cards because we didn't need some of them. We were doubling up on work. So, but it was such an innovative way to show us the process versus like a PowerPoint slide or I, I don't know what else, like a list, right? Like, and, and so if you're out there and you're a leader and you're like, I don't know why my team doesn't understand why we're not connecting the dots. I would take a page out of Paul's book and go analog and go to Home Depot, buy some string, buy some index cards. You're going to need some duct tape because you're going to put an index card on one place and then realize it needed eight more after it. But like, it was so, I'm so glad you showed that. It was so great. Um, and such, like I said, such a great example of, how can I think differently about how I present this idea to the group? And oftentimes you said it a couple of minutes ago too, like it's about the story we tell. And sometimes that story needs to, needs to be a lot more creative, a lot more innovative than the typical, like, let me show you a PowerPoint slide with some pretty pictures on it and a bunch of bullets, because that doesn't land with anyone ever. <laughs> Let's flip it to challenges for a minute. What's a, ch a big challenge you faced and how have you overcome it? Why a big challenge at Canvas or personally? Oh well, I love it in personal. So okay, oh, you decide. <laughs> oh, you bet. I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit too. You know, there's a lot of times, and from an entrepreneurial standpoint, there there can be sometimes where there are very lean times. Look at our last couple of years, and there are very flush times with cash as well. And some of those lean times. You know, my business was struggling and I was doing half of what I used to do and, and not flying as much and doing more remote stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I realized is, okay, hold on, we've got some business debt. And that business challenge was really, how do we get rid of that debt and still um, maintain the business and, and continue to grow? And what really was hard about that is it takes a lot of focus and focus on, no, I'm not going to do that. I have to do this because in the end of six months, I want to be completely done with that. And I, I think that's the, the biggest challenge that, that I faced in the last couple of years because of our pandemic. Um, but it's nice to be on the other side of that because of the focus, because of the intention around that, that business debt's all gone. So it's, it's wonderful to, to live in that space where, you know, you feel more freedom and yet you have accomplished something that is, you know, it's really personal. Finances are one of the most intentional or most personal things. We get upset really quick when something goes wrong or there's a $5, you know, mistake in our checkbook or, you know, all of that is, is so close to our heart that that was some great freedom that I experienced just because of the focus. I was like, I have to knock this out. I have to do this and not that. So first of all, thank you for sharing that because I, I do think money is probably one of the most personal things ever for anyone. Um, and I know that, so for those listening, um, prior to Canvas, which we've been talking about, but you were, you were an entrepreneur before that, right? So you had your own business for a while too. Um, I, I want to ask you a question about that because I think that to deal with those type of challenges, whether it's money, 
hitting a ceiling at work, in life, whatever it is, you have to have a really hard conversation with yourself. And then you've got to make some decisions that break patterns you might have gotten into in the past. We, If you went back to that moment, what do you think helped you, Paul, personally have that conversation and move that forward? Um, because I think as good as it sounds of like, I'm on the other side and it's amazing. If that motivated all of us, we'd all do what we're supposed to do, but we don't. <laughs> yeah. One of the, that, that moment for me was the ability to stand back and go, okay, that event was supposed to be bigger than it was and it wasn't, but you believed it was. And that was a moment that I went, wait, stop believing the lies, believe in the reality of when that money is in the checking account for the business, that's when you can count it. And so I think that's the the biggest part around that. You know, as an entrepreneur, you have to be very optimistic. You have to kind of beat the pavement. You have to believe in yourself and the dream and the idea of the business. And that's all good stuff. Just make sure you've got some friends around you that are different than you, uh, that think around finances maybe a little bit different too as well, or have some solid financial advice or really will question you, okay, well, flying to Canada in December, one, is that a good idea? And two, um, are you really going to get the business you think you're going to get to? And I, th- I can remember being in Canada. It was about 20 below and I'm walking to dinner and I'm like, what am I doing here? This was a new business trip? Yeah. Uh, new quote unquote it was a new, new business trip. It was a new business trip. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, what am I doing here? I've paid my own way. And at the same time, did I see the results? And I thought, I think that's probably the time where that just the the hourglass shifted to the other side. I went, whoa, wait, what are we doing? Why? <laughs> you know, it's funny, Paul, that you say that because I'll just, I have to say, you know, as, as we're talking, I have two teenage boys, they're 13 and 17. And I would say teenagers, you know, you're, you're, you're in the young adult phase with your kids, but they require a lot of your attention for sure. Like they need you the way a toddler needs you, but it, for different reasons. And it's great, but it's forced me to be way more p- particular about where I spend my work time because it's actually more constrained than it's ever been. And, um, but what's interesting about that, this goes to your kind of Canada trip is where I think I used to, and, and, and you're right, right? Like on one hand, we have to be optimists and believe in ourselves and go for it. But I, I think actually I've gained more business and been smarter about what I put my time and my energy into and my money and, and time now, because I, I can't, I can't unless I start to sacrifice this other place I'm not willing to sacrifice. And it's such an interesting, it's interesting to me because I don't know about you, but I didn't expect that to be the case. I thought, ooh, I, like it makes me really nervous to have those conversations and make those decisions, but it, they but they pay off, I guess. I agree. You know, I, I can remember on these whiteboards with a good friend of mine and, and a mastermind that I was in, and you should be in a mastermind, everyone. Just listen to that. You should be in a mastermind. Um, I can remember standing with Angela and just talking and and we had two things on the board, things that make the business money, things that cost the business money. And we listed them. And then we had to go through our lists of this is what I make money at doing and this has cost me money. And when you look at that and separate, separate it out, and I'm a big giver. And so just know I want to, oh, I'll, yeah, you bet. Let's meet for coffee. Let's talk about your business. Um, I loved that stuff. But that's when you get someone else to speak into your life and go, this is cool. It makes you no money. Cut that in half, you know, and you, you get reality at some point. We're like, oh, you're right. 
for me to succeed, I have to focus on the things where we're great at, the things that bring in the cash, the bring, bring in that check, the bring in new business, real business, and start to dwindle down on the others. It was such a great experience. I still remember it today on the whiteboards, pluses and minuses. And we both walked through our businesses and we went, okay, I got to stop doing some of this. Which do you want? And then we'd erase them off the board. You just blew my mind with that. What makes you and what costs you. And the challenge I want to get to all of us out there is if you don't own your business, you can do it in the sense of where you spend your time, what's moving you forward and what's costing you and like making you spin your wheels. You could do it with your personal life too. That is, Paul, that is a game-changing exercise right there. And I, I'm going to just own it right now. When we are done with this, I have one more podcast interview after you today. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do this because I think there's some things I'm dragging my heels on because I personally like them that aren't where the money is and, and and where the energy is, right? For the business, for growth, for momentum, or how I want to how I want to build my life. And there's things over here that are absolutely doing that. So why the heck am I not spending all my time over there? You just tell I feel like this was the best mastermind self-help moment ever, Paul. Thank you. I think you're right. You know, that it is it's really amazing when you get a second set of eyes that isn't always cheering you. They went, wait, what? Why? You know, those questions are the five whys. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing it? Why, why, why? You get to a deeper level of innovation and, and ideas and what your business looks like too. And what your teams are doing inside of your organizations. Why, why do we do this? Okay, I don't, I still don't understand. Keep filling those whys in and that's where you can get to a, a new level. And went, okay, now it makes sense. Well, I think one of the things that we often forget, which you are alluding to, is we can't innovate if we're not in reality. We need to actually have the hard facts to be able to bounce off of them or springboard. When we are innovating off of the rose-colored glasses, we come up with really bad ideas. So regardless of where you are, whether it's like all good stuff, all bad stuff, somewhere in between, the only way to innovate is to start with the truth. So I, I really appreciate what you're saying. What does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? Boy. Like you said, and, and in the introduction, I love that uncomfortableness. I live there. That I am, I am super happy when that is <laughs> happening. Um, but you know, when you're inside of a, a larger organization, um, sometimes, boy, you know, our leaders aren't as comfortable with it. So one of the every day when I start, I'm working with my team too as well. We talk a lot about pilots. We do a pilot of this. It doesn't take you a lot to try something and then evaluate it. And so our, mon our mantra is, is really every day we'll learn something from something we just did. So every event we do, every learning experience that we create, every new Canvas family welcome for our new employees, we actually evaluate every single one of those events, things we like, keep doing, stop doing, start doing. You know, want more of, and we evaluate and retrospective everything because we believe that pilots change the future and they don't cost a lot. We want the best ideas, right? But what can we do by Tuesday is sometimes usually our mantra. Great. What have we got, have we done before? And we just build continually little tiny pilots as we go. And uh, that's how we do it every day. And it's, it's really fun. So we had an event yesterday. And so we had it to our online events and we retrospective after that things that we would change things things that didn't quite work right yeah. you know which is okay um, like, yeah we're, and, yeah. and right we're in that world now we're we're yeah. kind of used to that oh okay. you can't see my slides oh i'm sorry here okay how about that you i know? mean don't even talk to me about how many times tech has failed when it should have worked even though it worked in pre 
But here's Paul, I just want to highlight something because here's what I love about what you're saying that I want us all to pay attention to. So there's different types of everyday innovators out there and risk takers. So I'm one as well, but it's only 9% of the global population, right? That's taking the assessment. It's tens of thousands that are risk takers. We love to leap and figure it out. Like we play best there where an inquisitive would rather ask a lot of questions and keep digging and digging. And if so I was just working with a team that has some risk takers at the junior level and then more conservative innovators at the top level, all innovators in different ways, but not. And the, the juniors were getting frustrated because they're like, can't we just leap? And so we helped them figure out, to your point, a pilot program that made the people who aren't the risk takers more comfortable testing and trying. So you've got to take into account other people's styles of innovation because you need them all, right? You need everybody. One is not better than the other, but but risk taker in particular happens to be like, well, let's just go. Let's just go do it and see what happens, right? But that's not everybody. And we have to honor that. I'm curious, Paul, and I think the whiteboard behind you might be part of your answer here. Um, probably not, but I love it. Um, what do you do on a daily basis to, to keep innovating, to stay kind of in that innovator mindset? Well, and I'm a former recovering creative uh, recovering creative director which means that I still look at ads I still look at brands I still look at advertising out there one of the things that I keep looking at is is folks that are not like us you know um, in our creative in the credit union world I don't necessarily look at other credit unions unless we know them and we all partner together anyway I don't know if you knew that but at the same time I'm looking at the innovators of the world like the ubers you know how did they change the taxi business? How did they? And so, unfortunately, for a lot of us, our customers, our members are looking for that kind of change. That takes a lot and a lot of capital. Um, but what are they doing? Is there a piece that you can pick out of there and bring back to your organization? Is there a piece that you can bring into your business? Look at the other startups. You know, that's one of the best places to look for new ideas and new concepts. I saw something the other day. It's called Sunday. And it's about fertilizing my lawn that doesn't harm my dog. And they're out of Boulder and they're an amazing startup group. And I'm like, yes, I want that. And I can do for $200, it comes to my door on the schedule I want. I love that idea. I'm all in. And it's that little bit of where they've got an idea. How can we, do we have anything like that? And think about your business around that. So that's kind of where I kind of stay fresh is what's new. And Sunday was one of those. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Oh, that is cool. I think we get so down in the weeds in our own industries that we lose so sight. Of, and so to speak, ha! <laughs> Good one. I didn't even notice. Nice, Paul. <laughs> um, you know, I just I think that we it is easier to innovate when you look outside your category actually and, and say, how do I apply this to my world? What's one piece of advice you'd have for everyday innovators out there of all types who are looking to innovate, influence, and make an impact the way you have? Well, my biggest piece, I'm going to come back to the analog. Uh, my favorite friends are cards, sticky notes. Um, I even have a, a, a basket that once my sticky note is done, I crumple it up and I get that tactile feeling, throw it in the trash bin. Because, you know, my to-do list, it's okay. But boy, crumpling up that little sticky note and throwing it in the trash bin, love that to death. Um, think uh, ways to think faster and, and easier. And for me, I can capture sticky notes. I can write down thoughts. Um, whiteboards are a great way to do that. Have a, a whiteboard session with your team. Just even if it's a retro, you know, what do you keep? And I love the starfish retrospective formula. You can Google that and find it um, just to know. The other thing I think that teams can do and folks can do in their groups is do an empathy map. 
and what that empathy map is. And that's right down there. Um, I'll send it off to tomorrow. You can use the one we'd use at Canvas and it has some questions. But knowing your customer or if you, you work inside of a team, knowing your team members as well can unlock innovation in a new way because they start, you under start to see the pros and cons and the fears from your leaders and you, you know, not innovators, yes, innovators, all of those things, but doing an empathy map and just taking the time to do that really helps you kind of formulate an idea of, okay, if that's our game plan, then how do they want to be, how can we give them the data they need to make a decision or how can we move the needle on this idea? I love that. I think it is, we get so egotistical because we're humans and we think the idea is going to sell itself. And we think that our perspective is like the whole perspective. And the person on the other side of the table is dealing with a whole different set of pressures, challenges, responsibilities. And we just I like this, like we know that intellectually, but I think, you know, especially when we're trying to move innovation forward, we, we, we forget. So thank you for the empathy is so big. Thank you for that reminder. I, I think it's so important. I'm going to ask you one personal question to close us out, which is what's something we'd be surprised to learn about you. Wow. Surprised to learn. Oh, uh, this was a good one. Uh, I just used this today. So we had a little team meeting today. Um, when I was in high school, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado. We used to ski at Eldora, Eldora Mountain, which is just up near Netherland, up in the farthest part of the mountains there. Um, I jumped off a chairlift on purpose with my buddies uh, and dropped off and we were night skiing. So what was really cool is you could go night skiing in Eldora. It took a 20 minute drive up and go skiing for 20 bucks. You got a lift ticket, you got a cup of chili and a hot chocolate. And it was amazing. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is so much fun. So I can remember John Jurassic and I jumping off a chairlift at Eldora. Don't tell Eldora that everyone. <laughs> Shh, don't listen to the podcast. It so wasn't Laura. a big drop, but yeah, it was kind of fun. That's, but you didn't, were you afraid? Oh, definitely afraid. It took us like three times up and down the thing to figure out where where to jump. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh, my God. Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. As always, you're up to some incredible things. I love the innovative approach to leadership. And even more than that, Paul, what I hope everybody takes away from this is I love how you enable others in your company to innovate as well, because I think that's where we really move mountains forward. So thank you. Thank you, Tamara. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.